This is Joseph Arangio from Tactical Workouts, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with the hosts of Talking Lead, a radio show and YouTube channel where two friends, Zeke and Left Hand, hang out and talk about everything related to guns. Guys, it's an honor to spend time with you today. It's good to be here. Yeah, thanks, Joe. We appreciate you having us, man. I wanted to ask you guys your opinion on a couple different things because I know you guys like to share your opinion. Um, tell me, <laughs> <laughs> tell me, why is elite physical fitness important for military operators and law enforcement professionals and especially prepared citizens? Physical fitness is going to be imperative to anyone for being prepared for self-defense. Military and law enforcement is pretty self-explanatory to anybody who's familiar with what they do. They've got harsh terrain, harsh weather, the enemies they face, the criminals they deal with. They can all wear on the body and uh, the more... Not, condition- to, not to mention the equipment that they carry also. Right. Yeah. And the more, the more conditioning they have, the better your body can defend itself or others. As far as a prepared citizen goes... If somebody breaks into your house and you have to move really fast, you got to be prepared to do that. So if you're a, if you can't get up off your recliner and go get a beer without sucking wind, uh, it's not going <laughs> to end well. <laughs> yeah, That's you would funny. not be in, you would not have elite physical fitness if you are getting out of breath getting off your sofa. Obviously, I believe exactly what what Zeke says. Uh, I think some level of physical fitness is beneficial to everyone, whether it's just your you know everyday common citizen or you know obviously the military and law enforcement. Their their jobs, their situations demand a higher level of physical fitness. We want those people to be in peak physical condition because they're protecting our lives. Uh, Thomas Jefferson wrote, "A strong body makes the mind strong." So not only do you have to have a a strong body, but your mind, especially with these guys, law enforcement and military, uh, or our prepared citizens, as you call them, I believe, Joe, being in peak physical and mental uh, shape gives the best odds of coming out on top in times of crisis by being able to react quickly, proficient, proficiently, and with clarity. So, you know, like I, like I quoted, a strong body makes a strong mind, so if you're in peak physical condition, then your mind's going to be sharp and, and responsive as well in those situations. I, I would agree. I, I, speaking with uh, some tactical strength and conditioning professionals, we, we often say that you know it may not be a firearm that, that takes a life. It could be a heart attack that takes a life. So you, know, you see a lot of folks that spend a lot of time on the range. They may be practicing their technique with their, with their firearm and they don't spend any time on their health. As an enlisted man, as a law enforcement professional, you really have to focus on keeping your body in as fine condition as your, your marksmanship skills. So, I, Yeah, it just makes sense that if you want to protect yourself against uh, others, that why wouldn't you protect yourself from yourself? Like you're saying, bad health, uh, bad habits that you know, could silently kill you, a heart attack or you know, something like that. Speaking of uh, firearms, how important is it to train with your firearm? Like, how, how often? It's the most important part of owning a gun. It is imperative, yes. Nope. Anybody who's been to any of the trainings beyond just the carry permit class, because I know Left Hand and I both, before we went to our first tactical training, we had only taken the carry permit class, and we thought, oh, hey, we know what's going on. But once you go to that class, you have this holy crap moment. Uh, yeah. 
I have no clue what I'm doing. You get There's this so false sense. Current. You get this false sense of uh, you know bad acidriness of you know. Now I've got my <laughs> carry permit. You know nobody's going to mess with me. You know I can handle any situation. And that's the first thing that uh, Zeke and I even looked at each other when we got done with the first class we took, and we said, you know what? If if we if it ever came down to where we had to get in a defend ourselves in a gunfight, we would be dead. Yeah. I mean, the the amount of knowledge we got in that one weekend was like yeah just that first class we took you know yeah. it was just amazing as far as how often uh, as as often as you can financially and physically do because the using your body in a repetitive manner creating muscle memory for anything you do even your fingers even the little small muscles and that's incredibly important in a stressful situation when you have that adrenal flood your heart rate rises. Yeah, you start to get tunnel vision, and all the blood flow in your body goes to your vital organs and your torso and in, in your brain. So the blood flow is much less in your appendages, which leaves your fingers like mushy hot dogs, and you can barely use them. So the more muscle memory you have from the repetitive movements and training, it's going to help curb that effect with the muscle memory taking over. Uh, if you train at the high intensity to replicate, replicate your heart rate being higher, uh, it's going to help acclimatize your body to those adrenalized situations too, to help out with that. How about, you know, these other kind of side effects of this heightened state when you're really, really super stressed, focusing vision, calming breathing, and really concentrating. What ways have you guys learned to, to prepare your body for this? Well, it's it's practice. It's practice, practice, practice. You have to put yourself in that adrenalized state so you'll know what your body feels like and how you react when you're in that situation. Until you put your body in that situation, you're not ever going to know. And there are classes that you can take to where you know, professionals know how to get your body you know, in, in these uh, adrenalized states. So Find those classes, take those classes. You know, don't just go take a, a target shooting class. You know, go take one of these defensive handgun classes uh, that will, you know, give you real life scenarios and how you need to react and and move in certain situations. And there's a ton of different classes out there, and you know, you should take different classes from different instructors because every instructor's got a you know a different take. You know, their little twist, so to speak on how different situations should be handled and what's right for you from one instructor may not be right for you for another instructor. Mm. And, when, and when you go into that state too, all of us have this primitive brain inside of, our, inside of us that is that instinct, that fight or flight brain where the conscious us kind of takes a back seat and lets it take over. And when you have that, training for that situation can ingrain those instincts for the proper breathing, the sight picture and the trigger pull. Like you were asking one, one theory that both of us adhere to in self-defense training is focusing on the front sight. If you, if you're a front sight shooter in self-defense, it's not going to make you a bullseye perfect little one inch group target. But if you're going for center mass shots, you're going to get hits. Um, for instance, like when we were training at tactical tactical response last year, um, I was having a little trouble with speed <laughs> as, as we were doing walking drills and stuff. It was just, I wasn't quick back on the target and James Yeager kept screaming at me front sight, front sight, front sight. And then finally it clicked 
and all of a sudden my <laughs> shots on target were a lot quicker. It, because of the tunnel vision, it's going to be hard for you to focus on the two back posts and the front sight too. So if you're just getting the front sight in a decent picture and on a big center mass, you're going to hit the, the your target. And like like left hand said, it's repetition, repetition, repetition. Yeah. That, mus- that muscle memory is going to kick in. Yeah. Your muscles are still active and functional, and if they've got that memory there, then they're going to kick in and they're going to do what you've trained them to do under those situations. What trends do you see regarding tactical strength and conditioning? What future trends do you see? We're already seeing a ton just in the, the interactions we've had with a lot of people. Um, fire instructors, firearms instructors, are they're utilizing more and more drills to help imitate that uh, adrenalized state. we got a good friend and actually one of our mentors, Rob Pincus, from ICE Training. He's even started a fitness program called FitShot where he combines CrossFit-style workouts with safe firearms handling and training. And uh, we have kind of a comical video on our YouTube channel about it if people want to check it out. You also see trainers using simunition uh, more to increase that general response. Basically, and I think Left Hand knows more about the simunition than I. Actually, I know he knows more than I do. It's kind of ammunition that has the gunpowder and the bang and the recoil, but it has more of like a paintball or... More like a lipstick uh, bullet projectile instead of... It's a non-lethal, you know, if you want to use that term, uh, round. And it still hurts like a son of a gun, but... uh, And it used to just be for law enforcement and military, but it's recently been made available for civilian training as well. So it's it's really opened up the market for the civilian training uh, world. Yeah, and we're planning on going and doing a training with uh, Aaron Cowan of Sage Dynamics down in Atlanta. Uh, he uses them to simulate. I mean, it simulates the sound, the recoil, and like Left Hand said, the pain. Uh, not the not the actual pain, but there's a little bit of sting to it. So your adrenaline is going to be rushed because you're going to feel like you're really in a. You fire get fire. instant recognition when you get hit, but it's yeah. again, it, you know, it's it's similar to a paintball. Mm-hmm. Uh, another trend that we're seeing are, uh, you know, within this non-lethal type training, uh, we've got another good friend of ours, Mike Hughes with uh, Next Level Training, who's developed a training system. He calls it a CERT pistol, a shot indicating resetting trigger pistol, the CERT pistol. And what that is, is it is it gives you the, the real look and feel of a Glock. And I know they've got other models uh, now, too. Um, but you can train in your house, in your office, you know, wherever. But it, it uses laser technology and uh, feedback. So you can work on your trigger pull mechanics. You can work on your draw. You can, you know, whatever you want to do, you know, everything except like live recoil, you're going to get some sort of a, uh, you know, positive training through that, through that system. But you can set up obstacle courses uh, at your gym if they allow something like that, at your home, and run through different uh, training scenarios uh, with that because I know he's got a, his own set like physical fitness routine, you can go to YouTube and look at some of his videos uh, that he shows you how to use that in your your workout routines. And I use it for my sit-ups. I mean, it's awesome. I like doing sit-ups with it. Some of the uh, classes that we've taken, they train you from a uh, flat back position. So you've you've gotten knocked down in an altercation and working your way back up to the fight. So that requires strong abdominal muscles. So, you know, you got to pull yourself back up with that. You got to come back to your knee then you you know ultimately get back to your standing position if you're if you're able to do that. So you know different mechanics like that that implement the uh, the sit up workout uh, is is what we did with those. Nice. 
What, what he does. I can't lie. <laughs> oh, come on, man. I wasn't throwing you under the bus. I was trying to help you out. <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> you guys also uh, speak to a lot of folks that make gear, make tactical gear. What would you say are, if you were to make a top 10 list, what do you think the, the top 10 tactical gear items every prepared citizen should own? I've got a Maxpedition VersaPack that I use for my EDC. And some of the things, I guess my top things that I, that I keep in there are extra mags and ammo for my carry firearm, depending on which one I'm carrying that day. And it depends on what I'm wearing on what I carry also. And I'm sure a lot of people are that, that way. A flashlight is imperative. You need to have a flashlight with good batteries. You know, pack some extra batteries on that. I personally carry a Streamlight ProTac. 600 lumen, a basic medical kit that's going to have disinfectic, antibiotic ointment, bandages, maybe an instant ice pack, scissors, you know, something along those lines. Uh, water, you want to have water. Uh, some sort of a food uh, that you can store long term. I like protein bars. Uh, usually pack uh, some of the Metarex, those, uh, what are they called, the big. Big 100s. Big 100s. Yeah, I love those things, man. I eat those like they're going out of style. Or Cliff Bars. I like Cliff Bars, too. Uh, Some sort of a multi-purpose tool that'll have screwdriver, plier, saw, all-in-one kind of thing. So you can get a lot of different things in one little small package uh, with one of those. I've got a knife that I carry, and everybody laughs at me. It's It's a tool logic. Um, and it's kind of a multi-purpose knife where it's got a light on it. It's got a fire starter because you're going to need something to do, you know, to make fire with. It's got a little magnesium strip. Uh, and it's also got a, some sort of a noise maker, uh, so people can hear you in case you're, you know, incapacitated, uh, otherwise. Uh, plus people seem to recognize a, a loud whistle blow too. So if they're locating you, that, that comes in handy some sort of a uh, rope or paracord i'll carry some light uh, paracord with me maybe about you know 50 to 100 uh, feet of paracord and then a writing tool pen paper and uh, just for backup i throw some matches in there too yeah my mine i kind of cheated on a few of them uh some of them weren't actually gear so i was kind of <laughs> philosophizing <laughs> uh but well one, again again you know you want to talk about tactical you know d- yeah Define tactical for us. Well, a lot of people use the word tactical. They misuse way it. too much. Yeah, and they if it's got Molly gear, which is the little loops, uh, little elastic loops on a bag or pants or anything you can got. If it's got you know the cargo pants, they call it tactical. If it's a black rifle, they call it tactical. If it's got a rail, they call it tactical. But tactics, the root word of tactical is tactics, which is any set of skills or items that you need to use to complete a task successfully. So like we've said on one of our shows, if you walk out in the snow to do some work outside, if you've got flip-flops on, those are not tactical. But if you put on a good, good, solid, non-slip sole snow boot, that's tactical. Um, Same thing if you go to a job interview somewhere. A suit and tie is tactical. Wearing 5'11 pants and a tactical polo would not be tactical for that situation. Unless? Uh, unless you're going to a job interview <laughs> at 5'11 or Expedition or something right. like that. <laughs> My top 10 was, you know, first being a firearm. 
the second one, it's not really gear per se, but I said fitness. Uh, that's that's something you you need for to be prepared. Three, a good solid holster. Uh, it's got to have good retention because, like Left Hand was saying in the previous answer, uh, you could end up upside down on your back, all kinds of different positions where your gun can slip out of your holster. So you want that gun to have good retention. A good strong belt, a good pocket knife, uh, one with a light, a <laughs> uh, reliable ammunition. Uh, that's a lot of something that a lot of people don't realize. You can get inexpensive ammunition to train with. That's not a problem. But as you train with a lot of rounds, you'll start to see some issues with that, that cheaper ammunition. So you want to have a good um, high-velocity, uh, high-grain weight bullet for your self-defense that you carry every day. You want to train with that so you know how, to, how it feels, but you, that's what you want to keep in your firearm. Um, seven, again, not really hands-on gear, but you need the training. And eight, the same thing, knowledge, which those probably go together. Uh, nine, a good bag. Uh, keep in your vehicle or take with you uh, that you know has different things, uh, like whether it's a fire starter, paracord. But definitely have a more and more, more detailed, more compre- yeah, more yeah. comprehensive first aid kit <clears throat> more in that bag. Yeah, um, with a lot more things, but on your person. You need to have a good pocket first aid kit. And we learned this from Student of the Gun. And I didn't even think about it until he started telling us. You need to have a good pocket first aid kit with at minimum some, some kind of clotting agent, uh, something antibacterial ointment or whatever, and then a tourniquet. Because uh, the chances that we ever use our firearm is less than 1%. And we most of us know that. But the chances that you or someone else around you may need that emergency medical kit are exponentially higher. I mean, how many times have you been out in public and you've seen somebody on the ground with a cut or, I mean... Or you pass a car wreck or something like that. And you could utilize that. So uh, I think that's an important part of uh, being prepared for stuff. I've got four basic rules for all responsible gun owners. And it's train, maintain, restrain, and retain. And by training, it's like we talked about before, learn how and when to use your firearm. Maintain is know your firearm, uh, know how your firearm works, and keep up with the proper maintenance and cleaning of that particular gun or firearm that you're carrying. Restrain goes back to what Zeke was talking about with your holster, uh, if you're, you know, when you've got it on your person. Uh, that even goes to your home having the proper uh, safes uh, or storage uh, devices in place you know, for whatever your situation dictates, whether you've got kids or, you know, whatever the situation may be. And then retain is so you don't lose what you've learned is, like we said before, continue to practice, practice, practice. Go to the range, take classes, join join organizations like the NRA, read books, just stay proficient. It's like our friend Paul Markle says, always be a student of the gun. What's the biggest misconception about gun ownership and the Second Amendment. One of the most common with gun ownership is all gun owners are these paranoid uh, new militia members getting ready to overthrow the government, and that can't be farther from the truth. We're just we're prepared for any situation. With the Second Amendment, the one that drives me nuts is when I hear people say, "Oh, it's only meant for the the old school stuff when it was written, like the single shot muzzle loaders or the pistols back in the old days when the founding fathers put all this together." And actually, no. It was meant to give everyone the right to protect yourself with equal force of what is being used against you, whether it's from an adversary or tyrannical government or whoever is coming at you to 
harm you, you should have the ability to protect yourself with equal power back. And we don't and, need a we don't need a law to tell us that we have no. we have the right to protect ourselves. You know, there's going to be a lot of people that are read this or listen to this, and they're going to say, "Oh, yeah, well, we don't have a tyrannical government." And there's a one word answer for that, and that's exactly uh, because if you think about it, what tyrannical government is going to uprise against a country that's majority armed? So, and look at the ones that did when the right. the citizen wasn't armed. Yeah, and and if there was no government or laws, it is a natural biological instinct to defend yourself with whatever you have around you, uh, yourself and your loved ones, with whatever means necessary. So it's it's an inalienable biological right, whether it's on a piece of paper or there's no paper and we're all just running around wild. <laughs> it's just our instinct. Yep. Yeah. Guys, what's your opinion on having a, a gun in a home with children, like in a family situation? Responsibility. I mean, the, there's nothing wrong with you owning and, and possessing and having a gun in that situation. You just need to use common sense and you know proper storage. Everybody's a little different. Their situation's a little different. Their houses are different. So you've got to take that all into consideration. Uh, but you just want to make sure that the children are properly educated. You know, that's your number one defense against, uh, you know, something bad going wrong with a firearm is education. So you educate the children, uh, and then you properly store uh, and lock the weapon away for whatever and, makes sense for your situation. And and it's important to acclimatize the kids to it. I've got, I've got three young kids, all three under 10, and I make sure... You know, for instance, one thing I try to do is we'll start them off with a BB gun. If they can show responsibility with that BB gun, they're not pointing it at each other. They're not doing stupid things with it. Okay, we'll let them move up to a twenty-two. If they show the same responsibility with that, then maybe go to a four ten shotgun and so on and so on. Yeah. Uh, also, I remind them often because I go to the range all the time. They'll see me coming in with my range bag. They'll see my carry weapon on my hip. Um, They'll be like, oh, and I remind them often, if you see a firearm, you do not touch it at your age. You come and immediately tell an adult, because uh, we're all human. We all make mistakes. I may come back exhausted one day, and I hope I never do this because I'm pretty regimented about how I store my firearms, and, and just leave my Glock on, on the kitchen counter, not thinking, oh, crap, the kids are here. They're going to see it, touch it, whatever. They need to be prepared for that situation, just like we need to be prepared for situations we deal with. So they need to know, immediately come tell an adult, do not play with it. It is not a toy. And it's the responsibility of the parents to do that, just like it's the responsibility of the parents to tell their kids what's right and wrong. It's not a video game's fault that somebody does something bad or a movie's fault that they does something bad. It's the parent's responsibility. That's just one of those questions that it's, it really polarizes people. But the truth is, if you have a family and you want to protect your family, then that requires, you know, a couple of different things. If you do choose to have a, a weapon in your house, absolutely, education is number one, and where you're storing it is is critical. And there's a, I know there's a lot of, mm -hmm. there's a lot of cool uh, biometric, as you mentioned, options and hidden things. Oh yeah, stow stowaways <laughs> like uh, speak. Speaking mirror. of which, I, I may need to switch my safe. Uh, to biometrics because my three-year-old son has this uncanny knack of memorizing codes and like he knows how to unlock my iPhone with the code I have on there 
And I was putting my gun up in the safe, and he happened to be at the, the closet door. And he goes, Daddy, watch this. And he walked up, and he typed in the number. And it's a six-digit number. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> so I had to change the code without him seeing it. But, you know, you just got to be vigilant and be wary of things like that. And, uh, yeah, I may have to switch to biometrics on the Sounds, like it. Sounds like it. <laughs> put, put it a little higher, at least. Yeah. Boy, you see how big my son Until he gets six, and then he's going to be <laughs> the size know, of me. Probably seven feet tall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Zeke's a big guy. I don't know if you've seen Zeke or not, Joe, but he's uh, like six eight. Is that what six, you are? I'm six seven, about 280. Yeah, so. but he usually wears boots, so he's about six nine when he's got nice. his boots on. <laughs> nice. He's he's an in- intimidating man. Uh, uh, I usually, until I usually... you meet me, and then you just laugh. <laughs> <laughs> What was it? What was it? Joe Peeney said yesterday when he first, when you first walked oh, up to him. Adam Peeney <laughs> or Adam Peeney? Yeah, uh, sorry. Yeah, we interviewed yeah. him last night, and when we first met him at Shot Show, he said I walked up to introduce myself, and he said he was reaching for his knife to stab <laughs> me in the face. <laughs> like, oh my god, what is that? <laughs> a, a giant, a giant human being in front of me. <laughs> Guys, where can our listeners find you if they want to want to learn more about you guys and listen to Talking Lead? We are all over the place. If they want to find us, they can find us. Uh, one, go to Google and type in Talking Lead, and all our stuff will come up. But they can go to www.talkinglead.com. We've got Facebook. Uh, just search for Talking Lead there. It's just facebook.com forward slash Talking Lead. Uh, we're on YouTube, which, again, just search Talking Lead. And we'll come up there. Uh, we're on Instagram, Twitter. How do they get this on Instagram and Twitter, Zeke? Uh, same thing. At Talking Lead <laughs> for both of those. One word with those. I'm, I'm Instagram and Twitter illiterate. So, <laughs> yeah, left hand left hand manages the the massive minutia that is Facebook, and I just take the Twitter and Instagram because it's taking a picture. I'm the ADD one. Left hand can handle Facebook. I would go nuts. I'm, I'm like, okay, picture, done. Oh, another picture, done. Nice. <laughs> Squirrel. Yeah. Zeke, left hand, thank you guys so much for everything you do for military operators, law enforcement pros, prepared citizens. I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy, busy schedule to, to speak with us. No problem, man. We enjoyed it. Joe, we appreciate uh, you having us, and we'd love to have you on our show sometime. We'll, we'll, we'll do it. We'll make it happen. Folks, on behalf of Left Hand and Zeke, hosts of Talking Lead, I'm Joseph Arangio from Tactical Workouts. Train hard and stay safe. Stay safe.